listening to Fox Sports Radio. Well, as I've said many times before, sports are the greatest reality show invented. You could script everything but the outcome, and that's why this time of year is so much fun. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tonight, we preview the Pac-12, and we'll give you one key stat on each team that you can tuck away when it comes to betting on these teams as the season goes on. About 15 minutes, special guest tonight. You hear him weeknights from 7 to 11 p.m. Pacific, along with his best friend, Jason Smith. It's Mike Harmon, a.k.a. Fantasy League Guru, to help get you ready for your Fantasy Football League draft. After Bruin Finley's update, we'll talk about the latest story swirling around Las Vegas, and we'll catch you up on some NFL developments as well. And, of course, we close down the show with Mackinac Sports to stretch your mind and give you the kind of data you'll only find on this show. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted and as they say in Les Steckel, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. UCLA, 44-10 to today. Nice opener for Chip Kelly, by the way. Uh, prior to that, he lost six straight non-conference games, so they get off the schneid. But it sort of begs the question, what the hell happened in the Pac-12? At one time, they were a premier conference. UCLA, they strolled into SEC country and whipped the likes of Auburn, Arkansas, Alabama, Oregon, Washington, and UCLA were national powerhouses. Stanford and the Arizona schools were always very respectable. And Pac-12 always fared well in bowl games against other Power 5 conferences. It's so bad now. The Pac-12 has gone 8-17 and straight up, 6-19 and against the spread in bowl games in the last three years. With only three wins by more than six points. Worse, they're a paltry three and fourteen straight up, one and sixteen against the spread in ball games against foes coming off a win with the same span. So you put them on a level playing field and they have not done well. It's so bad since the college football was introduced. Uh, check that the college football playoff system was introduced. <clears throat> the Pac-12 has just made two appearances, going one and two and they failed to appear in three of the last five seasons, missing out on four straight years. Not good. So the long and the short of it is the Pac-12, nowhere to go but up. They got athletes out there. They just keep ending up in other schools. And, you know, as long as USC is down, it seems to seemingly drag the rest of the conference with it. But maybe there'll be some new blood that'll turn things around, like Arizona's Jed Fish, right? Unlike the numerous head coaching changes we've witnessed in the past, well, Pac-12 has just one newbie this year. It's Arizona's Jed Fish. So Fish replaces Kevin Sumlin, who was sort of a dead man walking following last week. You know, they were winless last year. And in three seasons with Arizona, Sumlin failed to, you know, register a winning season while going 9-20, and 9-18-1 against the spread. So, look, Arizona enters the 2021 campaign with a 12-game losing streak. Let's start with the North Division. Random, Cal. We're going to start with Cal, all right? Now, it's safe to say that last year was brutal because of COVID, but no one was hit harder than Cal. The, the Cal Bears, 
they opened up, you know, they were eight and five the year before. They had their first bowl season in four years, 18 returning starters last year, including their quarterback. But, you know, really, they had a real bad issue with with COVID. Top it off, uh, seven seniors from last year's team opted to use their free eligibility year this season. So Cal's got nowhere to go but up. They do return 18 starters, uh, but, you know, they're not considered one of the great teams in the conference. I will say this, though. Uh, here's a stat you'll like. The Bears, they've won six consecutive games against non-conference Power 5 opponents. That's impressive. All right, Oregon probably, I could tell you, is going to be the class of the conference and their coach, Mario Cristobal. He's 12-4 and four against the spread versus undefeated opponents. Well, he's going to get one next week in Ohio, against Ohio State, including 9-1 in the last 10 games. Uh, Oregon, again, had an issue with COVID last year. However, uh, you know, I think they're poised to certainly get to the Pac-12 championship game, if not beyond, but it's going to come down to that game against Ohio State. Um, Oregon State, interestingly enough, they have 10 starters back on offense Nine starters back on defense. And, you know, they, you never know how they're going to do. Uh, they they won, you know, last year as a 13-point underdog in the Civil War against Oregon. They lose a quarterback who was their linchpin, Jake Lutton. And, he, you know, that's always concerning. And the Beavers, they fell from number 12 in the nation last year in turnover ratio to number 84. So... Oregon does not have much margin of error. Check that, Oregon State. I don't know that you can pencil them in to do anything spectacular this year. Stanford, again, here's a stat you like about Stanford. They're 17-2 and two straight up, 15-4 and four against the number in games when coming off a loss as a favorite. What that tells me is David Shaw, who I have a lot of respect for, I think he's a very good coach. They typically, Stanford typically does not play two game, two bad games in a row, all right? And they had the number two recruiting class in the Pac-12 this year, and they moved up 16 spots over the five-year average. So David David Shaw is recruiting, right? Now, they've had a tough patch the last two seasons. They've had just four wins each of the two years. However, the bottom line is uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a believer in David Shaw. So as the season goes on, Stanford's win total is only four and a half. I'm not big on betting season win totals, but I will say this. I think Stanford will be a dog in many games this year, and typically their value as a dog. So just keep an eye on them. Not that they're going to go and you know do anything crazy this year or win the national championship or go to the playoffs, but I think they'll be valuable as a dog. One of the most intriguing teams is Washington, the Huskies. Uh, they bring back 10 starters on offense. They are believed to have the best offensive line in the in, in all of college football. They average 328 pounds per man, and uh, they've recruited well. And a lot of the players that Chris Peterson recruited uh, while before he left are there now. Their, their coach, I don't know much about their coach, Jimmy Lake. We're going to find out. We're going to find out week two when they go to Michigan. They're a three-point underdog, and sharp people I know uh, – like Washington in that game. They bring back a lot of experience on both sides of the ball, 18 starters, including 10, offense, uh, 10 on offense in, in their, that offensive line. And they have a pass rusher by the name of Zion Tupiola Fatui. 
And that's going to – he's a stud. The problem is he tore his Achilles. He may miss the season. So, But Washington, another team that's fairly consistent, they've scored, they finished third or higher in Pac-12 scoring defense every year in the last seven years. Again, keep an eye on them as they head to Michigan in week two. Washington State, well, the Cougars, they had a crazy uh, year last year. It was their first year without Mike Leach, and the results spoke for themselves. They only played four games. They only won one. But I do like their new coach, Nick Rolovich. He comes over from Hawaii. Uh, give him time to implement a system. They're up against it right now. Uh, I, I will say, though, that he has always been an offensive-minded coach, more so than a defensive-minded coach. Case in point, he's only 4-23 and straight up, 3-24 and against the spread Anytime his team scores fewer than 28 points. So you look to the North Division, to me, it's all Oregon. The South Division, Arizona, Arnie's Wildcats, they do bring back 17 starters, but uh, they are, uh, you know, they, they've got a lot of rebuilding. They're, they're a nine-point underdog uh, against, uh, you know, BYU here coming up. They, they, they really had issues last year on defense in almost every one of their games. First of all, they were minus nine in net turnovers, terrible they also surrendered uh, it, with every opponent they played. They allowed either their season high or second high yards in every game but one. And Arizona was outscored by nearly 23 points per game. Nowhere to go but up. Arizona State. Now, the Sun Devils, keep an eye on them because they're pretty good as a short favorite. They're 15-2 as conference home dogs of more than five points. And they're not bad as a short favorite. So, this is a team that, you know, led the nation in turnover margin per game last year, and they do return all 11 starters on defense. Not sure how Arizona State's going to do, but their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, he's back with, I, I believe, the best running attack, possibly in the Pac-12, and the best Pac-12 scoring defense. Arizona State could be a real sleeper this year. The trouble is they're in there with Colorado, Colorado is a team that has high expectations. You never know if their expectations are going to be met. Last year, their new head coach, Carl Durrell, inherited you know, a team that had been really scuffling the last couple of years. But Colorado typically, typically has started fast in the last four years, 14-2 and two in the first four games in the last four years. Uh, they ha- they do have to uh, you go up against Texas A&M. On September 11th, sharp people I know of, like Colorado was a dog that day. All right, you saw UCLA today. Ten starters back on offense, ten starters back on defense. Uh, and Chip Kelly, maybe he, things will kick in. Uh, he, you know, they've been kind of bullies, UCLA. They're 28-1 against sub-500 college football opponents in the last few years. The game to watch that they've got circled at Stanford, they'll be a dog most likely, UCLA. Can't rule them out, but... You know, between them and Arizona State, it's going to be a situation where how well can you can you perform when it matters most? A key game UCLA has next week. They host LSU. The line was four and a half, down down to three. USC, well, year two, the Keaton Slovis Graham Harrell connection. Well, it lived up to the hype last season. They were five and one in six games. They're loaded with a ton of talent. Okay, the main disappointment was losing to to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game. But after the loss, you know, the Trojans opted out of the bowl game. They had a ton of COVID-19 concerns. Last year was a throwaway year. But I would say this, if you see USC was a stock, you'd buy them. 
I think they're on the way up. One game to watch this year. They're at Notre Dame October 23rd. They'll be a dog. Sharpies, I know, are already on USC in that game. All right. I think the Pac-12 this year is – well, let me not forget about Utah, by the way. The real key to Utah's success has been simple. Kyle, Kyle Whittingham, he's improved his school's recruiting dramatically more than anybody almost in the entire nation, right? I mean, we're talking about moving up. They rank these things. He's moved up 31 spots in the last five years, and he's got a quarterback named Cameron Rising. He won the starting job last year but missed spring camp with injuries. They also have a transfer quarterback from Baylor named Charlie Brewer. Utah is always is always going to be competitive because they play defense. And one beauty of Utah, and this is key in handicapping football, if you outgain your opponent, we all know the old adage about not you know turning the ball over and winning the turnover battle. You win the turnover battle, you win about 70% of your games. Outgaining your opponent is a big thing too. The overall yardage winner in the Utah games last two seasons has been Utah 18 out of 19 games. So clearly the talent is spread to the south. I think it's going to be between Washington and Oregon in the north. It'll be between USC, Arizona State, and I would say Utah in the south. Well, with a wink and a nod to UCLA. Can you prove me wrong, Chip? Who knows? I'd like nothing better to see the Pac-12 finally rise up after all these years of being really sort of relegated to being perceived as a second-rate conference. They're not, but performance-wise, there's no other way to characterize it. You know, Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes, 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Coming up, well, if your fantasy draft is coming up, and I bet it is, you're going to want to stay tuned right here because Mike Harmon, a.k.a. Swollen Dome. Find him on Twitter, at Swollen Dome. Of course, he does a great podcast with Dan Beyer having to do with fantasy football. We're going to talk about a lot of things tonight so you can get ready for your fantasy draft. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Let's welcome in our guest. You hear him Monday through Friday, 7 to 11 p.m. Pacific, along with his best friend, Jason Smith, and of course, also on the very popular podcast, I Want Your Flex with Dan Beyer. Say hello to fantasy football guru, Mike Harmon. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Good. And in a short set to the half hours, I'll be getting after it with uh, Jeff Schwartz for four hours, barking about all things NFL. But what's going on? That's right. You got your Sunday morning, 6 to 10. It doesn't stop. 
So fantasy drafts are right around the corner here, and let's begin with this. What is your philosophy, Mike, in, in, with respect to overall position and draft strategy in terms of priority? Priority is, uh, for me, uh, unless I'm at the back end of the first round where things start getting a little bit hairy, if, as long as I, I'm near the front of the pack, I'm still drafting a bell cow running back because there's so few of them. Uh, and so many split positions, tertiary guys and goal line vultures, not to mention the number of quarterbacks that screw you over by taking the mail themselves <laughs> in and around the goal line. So you, know, you kind of position yourself well. And then obviously settings matter a great deal. Right. You know, when we look at TPR leagues, you know, getting one of those top-notch players at the position will always serve you well. Injuries, injury notes are always there, and concerns are always there. But they still got to play the games. But when you look at it, and it comes up quite a bit, it's like in the end, you're still playing at least two running backs, right? Your most settings yeah. are one quarterback, two running backs, a couple of wide receivers, and then you probably will have a flex position, maybe a super flex, but that means you're getting deep into the running back position, and that drop-off between number one and 24 or number one and 36 is stark. Mike, just to clarify for our audience, uh, you weren't implying that we draft and kill Harry in the first round. Uh, you mentioned Harry. I just want to clarify that. Also, A-plus to you for using the word tertiary, folks. What that means is not primary or secondary. It's tertiary. That's why you want to listen to this guy. Money no, I, 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 look, I assume everybody's got either a dictionary or that we're the most erudite you know, list, listeners and that we could possibly piece together. That, that's it. I, I'm elevating things here on Fox Sports Radio. Fair enough. No, no question. You've elevated. You've elevated the site guys to writing in the first ninety seconds. Mike, who, who seems to be the consensus number one overall pick in most leagues? Uh, it's still going to be Christian McCaffrey, even coming off the injury, even with questions about the Carolina offensive line, even with questions about Sam Darnold. Uh, you just go back to two years ago and what a monster he was standing high and tall a good hundred points more than any other performer because again you start comparing the quarterbacks it's an unfair comparison because the the drop off between number one and number 12 is running around maybe five points per per week which is far less than when we get into those PPR um, base at the top of the running back position. Talking with Mike Harmon, you hear him Monday through Friday, 7 to 11, with Jason Smith and, of course, on his podcast, Apple Podcast with Dan Beyer. I want your flex. We're talking Fantasy League Draft. Where does Tyreek uh, Hill fit in in the first round? I've actually heard some, some leagues might draft him number one overall. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, look, everybody's got their flavor. I mean, if you do a giant graph of all the drafts in the world, you're going to have a lot of number ones. You're going to have a lot of folks that are just fans of a particular team, and they're going to draft uh, completely off the grid. For me, Tyreek Hill is a guy that he's certainly upper-tier wide receiver. Now, to draft him number one, I have to wonder, what else is going on in the league setting? Are there keepers involved? All of those kind of things. Uh, but certainly he's a guy that 
benefits from a massive offense. Patrick Mahomes doing what he does, the retooled offensive line, the expectation of more greatness from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out of the backfield, teaming him with Kelsey and Hartman and doing all the personnel stuff. Uh, But for me, I'm wondering about a regression potentially on touchdowns and when we're looking at wide receivers, an ebb and flow, right? We're playing best ball from a rankings perspective. Yeah, I I think the aggregate is going to be there, but on a week-to-week basis, uh, there might be some smallish weeks in there. And and all we can try to predict on a weekly basis is how much of an opportunity, i.e. targets slash touches, are going to be available. And for me, Tyreek Hill wouldn't fit the bill to be a number one overall pick. Fair enough. I agree with you. Now, speaking of week-to-week and progressing, which players have you identified are poised for a breakout uh, performance from last season? Well, it gets difficult, right? Because we start using the term sleeper, and there's so much coverage of this anymore uh, that there's really no surprises unless that you know undrafted guy that made the back end of the roster is suddenly thrust into a big position, which happens right now. Austin Eckler is a fantasy hero uh, after being an undrafted free agent back in the day with the Chargers. But you know when we start looking a little deeper, uh, the injury to Dobbins means more for Gus Edwards. Well, does that mean more potentially for Justice Hill? Is there a trickle-down effect to where maybe you can find some value late at the running back position? A guy like Sony Michelle, who gets bounced out of a crowded situation in New England, comes to the Rams and make a trade and gave up some considerable assets given the injury history of Daryl Henderson. The potential is there for him to come from undrafted if you got into on your drafts early to a late-round pickup who suddenly finds himself as an RB2. Uh, I'm partial to Zach Moss in Buffalo. I think he's a better back in and around the goal line, handling some mail uh, there for the Buffalo Bills, who should have a prolific offense. So I think there's value for him. He's being drafted as a RB4 right now in that 37 to 45 range. Uh, Not a lot of people... uh, impressed with anything other than the arm strength of Josh Allen. You go down the wide receiver list, I mean, I see some guys that are top 10, 15 players show up on these lists, Bernie, and it drives me insane. It's like, you're not fooling anybody. These guys are stars. you got to go deeper. We're trying to find comeback players. Guys, uh, draft picks. Guys like Debo Samuel coming off injury. Once Trey Lance is in there full time, whenever that happens, whether he deposes Jimmy Garoppolo or Garoppolo gets hurt, opportunity will be there. LaVisca Chenault, once Trevor Lawrence just decides 1,000, 2,000, throw the ball up in the air, <laughs> that offensive line's going to get him killed. Uh, and you just have a guy run under it. Potential there. Jalen Waddle there in Miami. He's a rookie. Uh, and rookie wide receivers, a bit of a crapshoot, but not as much as they used to be. Opportunity there. And then if you're the gutsy guy, maybe eventually everybody kisses and makes up and Michael Thomas is suddenly back on the field. Doesn't mean that you go and reach for him too early, but where he's being drafted right now, if he shows up for the second half of the season as even 80% of the guy we once knew and James Winston still winging it downfield, yeah, there's better than WR5 potential there. Now that's really heady strategy. You pick up the guys who run under the radar, and all of a sudden they reemerge week six, and you say, why didn't I think of that? Wrapping it up with Mike Harmon here. You hear him Monday night, 7 to 11 p.m. with Jason Smith. Of course, also his podcast, I Want Your Flex, with 
uh, Dan Beyer, specializing in fantasy football. You'll hear him back on these airwaves in about six and a half hours, hosting his Sunday morning football show. Mike, the inevitable question, what's the earliest you draft a kicker or a defense, and how critical are those two positions to winning your league? Well, there is some some weight to it. You know, folks got to laugh about it, but there are defenses and, and certainly kickers. When we start talking about the big leg guys, you know, the Butkers and the Zerlines and Tyler Basses of the world that, you know, when we're talking about a normal scoring system, if they can bob them in from 50 plus, I mean, that's always been the specialty of a guy like Matt Prater who gives you that opportunity. Now there's going to be games where they're shut out, and that's where the strategy comes in of do you play the Ronco Shout out Ron Popeil, uh, rest in peace. Uh, <laughs> of a guy, well, but I mean, it was years. Stephen Guskowski with the, the New England Patriots, where you didn't know if he was going to get a ton of field goal opportunities, but he wasn't going to get skunked because they were going to put up at least 21 points. So you were getting three PATs, so you weren't going to have a zero. And then you have a guy like Tucker, who's you know the. Uh, the old uh, slam-down football guy, right, the uh, super toe toys that we had as kids, and you basically break your hand trying to kick field goals with it. Uh, that's what he is. So you have opportunity. For defenses, you know, you when you start to bank, because uh, you're also including special teams there, when you start banking on big returns, and we know how much the return game has been changed the last few years, uh, that that's not really going to, that's an added bonus, right? Maybe that's a tiebreaker that you start looking at the viability and your excitement about a return guy coming in. I know some people are like, ah, oh, I'm going to get the Giants because Tony is going to be the guy that breaks. I'm like, all right, good luck with that. Um, some of the best arguments that I've forgotten into with people are, are related to special teams for fantasy purposes. But when we know the Rams, we know the Steelers, Ravens, uh, Washington, that's your upper tier. They're going to they're gonna have pile-up sacks. In theory, pile-up turnovers. Beyond that, you know, I'm, I'm usually playing the matchup game because we can pick the teams that we think are going to be dog food uh, offenses right now. In about three weeks, we're going to know that for certain. So I'll play the waiver wire and just get ahead of the game uh, and just drop and add as I need to. It adds to the free agent acquisition budget, right, a bigger pot for everybody to play for, and it also puts me in a better position to go and beat up on those teams who didn't invest on offensive lines and that their quarterbacks are sitting ducks. Good stuff, Mike. I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on tonight. I know it was a really busy night for you. Nah, we just keep moving, brother. It's all good. You know, I got enough coffee running through me. I'll probably stay up and go straight through the show. Let's go. Let's go. I'll just stay right up all night, and I'll listen to you at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Thanks so much, Mike. Be good, brother. We'll see you. That is Mike Harmon. You hear him Monday through Friday, 7 to 11, with his best friend, Jason Smith, and, of course, on his podcast with Dan Beyer, the man for all seasons. The podcast is called I Want Your Flex. They do a great job of covering fantasy football and get you ready for your fantasy draft. Coming up, lots of doings here in Las Vegas. It is busy again. I'll bring you up to date on some things you might get a kick about. But first, hey, well, let's go to the man. He's got a fantasy team, too. It's simply called Swipe Right. It's brewed friendly with the latest. <laughs> you know, eventually I found somebody by uh, swiping right, so it ended up working out for me. There is a success story out there for anybody who is looking for that special someone. So we were talking about <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about the NFL. You, you and Mike were 
And now, Bernie, we do have college football that began on Saturday, and it's yes. regular season play. And how about Nick Starkle, the former Texas A&M QB, four touchdown throws, one score on the ground for him as he leads San Jose State to a 45-14 drubbing of Southern Utah. Then there was the big showcase game, which was on Fox TV earlier on Saturday, where Illinois took it to Nebraska 30-22. to At one point, it was 30-9, to and then the Cornhuskers made it close never could get over the hump and after the game Husker said coach Scott Frost quote it was all a guessing game for us close quote which is probably right what you want to hear if you're a fan of that team knowing that you're head coach doesn't really know what was going on. UCLA blows out Hawaii 44-10. to Zach Charbonnet, the Michigan transfer, had three touchdowns on the ground for the Bruins and the Rainbow Warriors. Here's a stat line that will stand out. 21 carries for 26 rushing yards in the game, and they burned all three of their timeouts in the first quarter. If that didn't signal something, I don't know what did. Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins will have tests on his left knee on Sunday after being carted off in Saturday's preseason win for the Ravens, 37-3 against the Washington football team. Cortland Sutton had a TD catch in a Broncos 17-12 victory over the Rams. Tom Brady, 11-14, passing 154 yards and a touchdown as the Buccaneers with a win against the Texans, 23-16. Justin Fields had one score in a Bears, 27-24 W against the Titans. Alex Collins, the running back for the Seahawks, trying to make that final roster here, had 89 yards of total offense along with a score as the Seahawks blanked the Chargers 27-0. Just a couple notes from baseball. The Dodgers get it done against the Rockies 5-2. Will Smith with a two-run single in the eighth to break up that tie. The Giants staple the Braves 5-0. Logan Webb now with seven consecutive wins on the mound. The Twins upstage the Brewers 6-4. Milwaukee with three straight losses. And the Angels demonize the Padres 10-2. Jared Walsh, three hits and three RBI at the dish, which sounds, as I send it back to you, Bernie, like one of your games when you were at the play. Three hits, three RBI. That's typical Bernie Fratto as I send it back to the man in Vegas. Friendly scorekeepers always help me out, Bernie. You know? <laughs> yes. That was a hit, not an error. <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. By the way, that Nebraska, you open up with that score. I don't know what happened to Scott Frost. They'd be better off with Jack Frost. This team just looks terrible. They look undisciplined, sloppy. They make mistakes. They commit penalties. Other than that, future's bright. All right. I, I speak of that because we're off and running in some betting, college football betting. That was my favorite play today. Illinois plus seven. You saw how that worked out. Speaking of action here in Las Vegas, in the month of July, casinos raked in $1.36 billion, setting a new Las Vegas record. And the preseason uh, in the NFL this year, even though there are only three games, the biggest handle in preseason in NFL history. Why? I don't know. A bounce back from COVID, supply and demand, three games instead of four. People were in a rush to get down. People have more information now than ever. So the old adage, you must be a degenerate if you bet the NFL preseason, just simply isn't true. Because now we, as you can see, some coaches play their starters. Some coaches want to win. Some don't care as much. Look at Baltimore. 20 in a row now. They win today 37-3. Turns out they tied Vince Lombardi's record of 20 in a row. So don't tell me that John Harbaugh doesn't want to win 
NFL preseason games. And if you backed him, you you were three and zero another year. These are things you're going to find out in the preseason that don't happen in the regular season. By the way, speaking of the regular season, momentous occasion here in Las Vegas. Uh, a week from next Monday night, or is it two weeks from next Monday night? Excuse me. The Raiders will play their first ever NFL regular season game. They're hosting the Baltimore Ravens. What's the significance? We know it's sold out. Uh, in the aftermarket, uh, Vivid Seats is reporting that of the, the top five NFL games this year in terms of ticket demand, four of them are Raiders games. And one of the top games of that group involves the Chicago Bears visiting the Las Vegas Raiders, of which in the aftermarket, 48% of those tickets were purchased by Chicago fans. So I know that the Raiders will hope to have a good home field advantage but you're going to see a lot of visiting teams with their fans here as well, too, because they make it out of a weekend junket. Speaking of other bets, we're starting to observe what I call notable long shot bets trickling in. What I call needle in the haystack bets, shooting BBs in the moon. Why would you bet $1,000 on Jacksonville to win the Super Bowl? When you get him at 151 odds, that'd be something if that happened. I don't like their chances. $1,000 on UCLA to win the national title. Currently, you get them at 500 to 1. That would pay a cool half a million. That was bet right, right here in Las Vegas at the Superbook. How about $2,500 on Michigan to make it to the college football playoff? You get them at 20 to 1. Again, long shot. Now, folks are betting you know Spencer Rattler to win the Heisman Trophy, but here's a guy, if you're feeling saucy, 50 to 1, Matt Corral, the old Miss quarterback. Somebody put four grand on him to win 200 grand. And it should be worth noting, I think Jason McIntyre pointed this out a couple years ago. The top two or three favorites never win the Heisman Trophy. So something to watch, right? I don't know that I put four grand on it, but somebody did. The Circa contest has two incredible contests. Here, it's the Department of Redundancy Department. I'm at the Circa Sportsbook. They've put up an unprecedented $10 million in guaranteed prize money for their two NFL handicapping contests. Each one only costs $1,000 to enter. And interestingly enough right now, because of the low number of entrants, they're looking at about a $7.2 million overlay, which means they don't currently have enough signups to cover the guarantee. They will, of course, cover the guarantee if they fall short, but this could mean better opportunity for contestants. Both combined need well over 4,000 entrants to get up and make that money even. So the long and the short short of it is that you might have better odds if you decide to get involved in either the Circle Million 3 where you pick, I think, five or six NFL games every week or the Circle Survivor, and you know what Survivor contests are. One final thing. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to this. You can make fun of it if you want, but Jake Paul fights Tyron Woodley tomorrow night, 5 o'clock Pacific. Well, that's when the event starts. I don't think the main event will go off for two or three hours after that, of course. But currently, Jake Paul, minus 175, is getting a ton of action. He's the prohibitive favorite to beat former UFC fighter Tyrone Woodley. Currently get him at plus 160. Jake Paul's camp, interestingly, negotiated an automatic rematch if he loses. One of the other prop bets... Fight to not go the distance, 12 to 1. Now, I will say this. I don't know if that's a good bet or not, but Tyron Woodley has proven in his career to be a very patient fighter. The fight is only eight rounds, and it's only two-minute rounds. So if Woodley takes it to the distance and wins by decision somehow, he's plus 1,800. That would be a nice payday. I think, I actually think Jake Paul's going to win tomorrow. Full disclosure, I'm not betting it. I'm not advising 
Anybody bet it? I don't care. You do what you want to do. But it's not a bet I'm giving out because I'm not involved in that. Speaking of bets, coming up, you know them, you love them, you can't live without them. Mack and Rivers, Mackenzie Rivers, Mackinac Sports. We'll talk about how one position in football, when you reduce their continuity, can certainly affect their ability to win and cover the spread. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the uh, Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. Don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. We're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. And yes, they'll be with me all the way through till 3 a.m. Pacific. 6 a.m. Eastern, that would be Brian Finley, Chris Perfett, and Bull Benson. By the way, a quick shout-out to listener Trent Light. He listens all the way from Australia, sends us this tweet, and I'm feeling good, I'm looking good, I'm smoking good, I'm sipping. If these Can dance all night long? That classy, well, that's the class I'm skipping. That's Lil Wayne, man. I know my Lil Wayne. Am I right, Mackenzie? Wow, you schooled me on that one. I was just listening to Drought 3 this weekend, but I do not remember that particular Wayne lyric. That's the thing about Wayne. Everyone has a song of his because he released like 600 songs in like four years. So everyone has one joint that's just their jam that we may not know. Hey, man, I'm just a hip hipster, man. I know my little Wayne, okay? I know my little Wayne. All right, you know him, you love him, can't live without him. Time for Mackenzie Rivers, Mackinac Sports. He'll be with us at the end of the hour all the way through till 3 a.m. tonight. All right, Mackenzie, you teased it. Here's the situation. There's a position group that if you shuffle them around or you replace them like chess pieces, it's not always good, especially if you're trying to win games in the National Football League. Move is one like the Jamaican bobsled team is the name of the game. Cohesion. And when you talk about betting, it's talking about what people are not looking at is where you're going to find the most value. Now, I'll just pose this question to you to start. What is the least sexy position out of the 22 on a professional football field, Bernie? Uh, the least sexy is probably center. The big uglies, yes, right in the center, right in the middle. The defensive and offensive line is often neglected, particularly the offensive line, because the defensive line, you know, a lot of defensive linemen will be drafted very high. Think of Clowney, Donald, Mack, all drafted within the top five of, their, of that year. Because defensive line are known, their athleticism and what they're able to do is more known versus the offensive line. Because the offensive line, I mean, if you look at Wonderlick scores of centers and guards, best in the league usually, it's yeah. a very thinking oh, yeah. man's game. You know, a lot like sumo wrestling, you know. you got to get very particular with your craft when you're down there. And what we see is year over year, the last five years especially, if you keep the same offensive line, you do better than expectations. This was shocking to me. So... Part of a database project we're doing, getting all the different historical key performance indicators, we call it, into one spreadsheet. Offensive line is jumping off the page the more work we do. So if you just look at just the raw numbers, teams that return two and a half or less offensive linemen, so less less than half of their offensive line is back year over year, those teams miss expectations versus their win total. Their Vegas win total, you can bet every team. Are they going to win seven, eight, that expectation? They miss it by almost a one win per game, 0.9. There's been 35 instances of this, big turnover at the offensive line, lose by almost one win per time. But we expanded it. We said, well, not all linemen are created equal. Some linemen are great. Some men are not that good. And like you said, the center is one of the most fundamental positions into the decision-making of every offense. 
So if we said, okay, let's add a half loss offensive lineman if a center's missed, and add another one if they're elite, if they're top 30 in the league. If you do that adjustment, there's been 47 occurrences the last five years where the team released or retained less than half of their offensive line with those adjustments. Those teams are missing out by 1.2 wins per season. They're thir- 13 and 42. Right, hold that thought, because I think total. the Raiders fall into that category, if I'm not mistaken. The Ra- Raiders lost their center, Roy Hudson. Uh, they do have enough offensive linemen. I think they have three uh, to you know miss out on this particular category. But there's one more filter that I think even adds a little more dimension to this, which is new coaches. New coaches have a lot to worry about when they have to bring back or create new offensive lines and new structures. They've historically done terrible. Let's go even further. 11 occasions, 8-3 and three if you bet they're under. One and a half wins per season. They're missing expectations. And we have two that fit this category. Best bets for me. One quarterback I love, but I think he's going to struggle. One quarterback I think is not ready for this league and may not be. The Los Angeles Chargers return one out of five offensive linemen. They do have a new starting center, and they have a new coach. I find it hard for them to be as cohesive, hit the ground running with Brandon Staley in charge. I like them under to win nine and a half games. That's under nine and a half wins for the Chargers. This one I like even better because Jalen Hurts, God bless him. You know, he ran for 300, threw for 100, but I trust my eyes I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. I think he's a great college quarterback, like Tim Tebow, like others, that have found success early and may get found out later in this league. Their season win total is seven. They return two offensive linemen. I know they're getting some guys back from injury, but that's not exactly cohesion when the guy's been out a year and now he's coming back and he thinks he's an all-pro. So I love that one even more. Eagles, huge turnover, new head coach, unproven, not a fan of their quarterback. I love the season win total Eagles under seven wins. What people don't realize is the importance of the offensive line. You talk about Wonderlick, not surprised. They've got to know the whole playbook. They've got to know route right. trees, blocking schemes. They've got the center doesn't just snap the ball. He's part of the eyes and ears of a quarterback and is very involved in audibling, very involved in looking at pre-snap reads, assisting the quarterback in making decisions and then trying to execute decisions and based on what the defense gives you. The reason I brought up the Raiders, if I'm not mistaken, they have three of their five back, but I think three of five are playing different positions this year, mm-hmm. meaning or they they have new someone new in that position. The Pittsburgh Steelers have five new players in all yes. five positions this year, although I still think they're going to be 